Hello and welcome to Space Chats. This week I'm with Adam Davies, the director and co-writer of the Caspar Hauser experiment. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, yeah, thank you for having me, it's a pleasure. So where did you first hear about the, the true story of Caspar Hauser? You know, that's one of those where um, when you get asked that question time and time again, it's like a memory, you know, you start to question like, yeah, was that really, was that really the, the moment that I first heard of Caspar Hauser? Um, the story I tell, it's the only, the only story I have really, is I was given a book um, by Claire Simmons, who was the uh, one of the programmers at the Lowry Studio where we were uh, supported artists. Um, I told her that I was interested in looking at feral children, um, interested in particularly looking at Mowgli from the Jungle Book as a archetype, and uh, indeed some of the characters in that story. And uh, she gave me a book, and it was called uh, Savage Boys and Wild Girls. And within that book, even though Casper is not, it's not quite chronicled in depth as other children, um, he is mentioned. And there's something about that name, Casper Hauser, that just, um, you know, the, the image of it, the, the look of it, the feel of it, um, looks intriguing in itself. Um, so I went off on a tangent and did some research. And I remembered I'd watched a film um, earlier in my, my, my training in drama school uh, back in the mid-noughties. Um, by Werner Herzog, you may have heard of it, The Enigma of Caspar Hauser, which is an incredible film. And it really goes in depth into the the life and the intricacies of Caspar's of life. And I remember I'd watched it, although I'd not, you know, really paid attention fully to the to the full extent of the story. So I revisited the story and I start to see similarities between the archetype of Mowgli and Caspar. Uh, you know, Mowgli coming out of society and civilization and being forced into an unknown territory in the jungle and and similar for Casper coming out of this uh, captivity and into society. Um, so I started to research it a little bit more. And, and as you do with these stories, they, they kind of just follow you around. You know, you, you just can't stop thinking about them. And there's so many books that's written about Casper Hauser. So first thing you do is buy more books. <laughs> buy more books and more books and you keep reading uh, and it's a real labyrinth of the story so it's kind of a build your own narrative kind of story you can depending on who you are socially politically spiritually you can make up your mind who this guy is and um and i liked that that really intrigued me you know uh the first piece we made uh back in 2016 about cain and abel came from a very, very short extract from the Bible in Genesis. And I was very excited at the possibility of delving into a dozen books, you know, a dozen 300-page books about this this person's life uh, and uh, hundreds of essays. Um, yeah, just to find out who he is. And, yeah, it was like a boomerang idea, that thing you, you, you throw out and it just keeps coming back to you. Um and I couldn't quite shake him. So, yeah, that's when I first heard about him. Uh, and I've been, he's been following me around ever since. <laughs> so I guess the next question is, how did you find 
putting the lid on that because I mean with research especially with someone like this who there were never really any full answers given how do you yeah. go okay at this point I cut off at this point I've got my research I'm now gonna work just from this yeah uh well it, it, it's about editorial decisions and you know ultimately seeing what sticks um I like to not walk into processes and know exactly, you know, the central question in which I want to uh, I want to answer or attempt to answer, or make a gesture towards. So, you know, the first process that we did back in 2019, we literally, if you can imagine, hundreds of sheets of photocopies around the edges of the space uh, and actors, an ensemble occupying the centre of the space and just pulling out and reading documents and testimonies and theories and, um, you know, time and time again, when you run these improvisations and you do these exercises, certain themes start to come up, um, you know. So you return to those themes and you start to maybe, instead of widening that lens, like you say, you start to put a lid on it and you start to actually go a little bit deeper and dig into certain areas. Um so yeah, I mean, in any process, you have to come to that point where where you decide what what story it is you want to tell. And I think what was liberating for us as co-writers, because we wrote this as in a, a writer's room, devised and wrote, and then devised and wrote, uh, is we decided that we did not want to tell a story that was um, a historical dramatization of his life. From the moment he emerged in 1828 to the moment he died in 1833, you know, very short lifespan outside of his uh, captivity. And I think that released the shackles, as it were, of, of what we wanted to do and how we wanted to tell this story. So we could really choose what pieces of information or certainly what characters we were particularly interested in studying and experimenting um, you know, there's there's dozens and dozens of really integral key people in Casper's life that we don't talk about in this play, um, simply because we'd be making an eight-hour epic if we chose to do that. And, um, you know, so we chose these very specific characters and started to uh, really narrow that lens. Tell me about how the play... Uh developed from that because i obviously we then had a a, a pandemic uh yeah, yeah. Big, big creative break slash creative time depending on how you interpret it um yeah, yeah how, how how's because the, uh, there's also been other performances of this play elsewhere uh it's coming yeah. to the space very soon but how, how's the play developed over time yeah it's um uh it's a very it was a very long process uh yeah 2019 was the first r&d where we chose to just focus on casper like i said you know hundreds of documents and by the end of that process uh lots of improvisation lots of new writing tasks um creative writing tasks sorry uh lots of uh, co-devising and character work uh and we ended up with i think something like 175-page transcript of, of these uh, improvisations, scenes and associations, um, studies of these characters. Um, 
and it became clear that some of those those uh theories and facts and testimonies from the documents from the side had started to land into the improvisations and so we started to um blur the edges of what we were creating and what we've read about in these books uh, after that process yeah uh, the pandemic happened uh which uh, put a halt to lots of activities but yeah it gave us time just to uh do another r d so at that point we knew because casper had these miraculous um uh sensory abilities you know he uh, you know just to, to name a few he could smell a particular berry on a tree from 100 meters away he could tell you where a needle would be under a uh, tablecloth he had this uh, animal magnetism what they called um he could read in the dark um so we wanted to play with sound we wanted to play with taste um so we wanted to really heighten the senses of the audience ex experience so we hired a uh, collaborated with uh, an amazing access champion and sensory theater specialist um who came on board and helped us in r&d to really pull those parts of the performance out so that was another process. And then in, in 2022, when we got uh, more funding, um, we took all of our material. Now it's probably like a 200 page transcript of all these different types of, of work. Um, and we got in a room as writers. We did a three to four week process where we just edited and wrote new scenes, new associations. And we ended up with, you know, 70 page uh play text that we took into you know into a rehearsal process in may 2022 that previewed and then obviously as anybody in theater knows you discover a lot by when it when it meets the audience uh so then we went into another writing process and yeah went out on tour in the autumn last year and and we're doing the same this year so another rewriting process which we're going through right now uh, just to um, yeah, sort out all the pulls and pushes of the play that we would, we we wanted to sort out last year. We didn't have the time. Um, so yeah, it's it's literally been a, a four year process, maybe three years if you take away the pandemic. Um, you know, it's the gap between those two R and Ds, but it's it's been a really holistic and thorough process. Um, Probably the big, it's the biggest process I've ever had as an, as an artist making something, um, writing something, devising something. I'm really interested by how you as a director and the, and how the actor playing Casper Hauser, how, how can you possibly approach that? I'm assuming, I mean, we haven't actually mentioned, so this, this person, uh, said that he had been held a prisoner in a darkened cell for 17 years. Yeah. Um, and when he emerges, he's, he, he's, he's 17. He's only, he's a very young, he's a very yeah, young they, man. They think he's 16, mm, 17 yeah. years old. Yeah. So, and, and there was some doubt cast on this by some of the people around him. Some people didn't necessarily believe him. I'm assuming from what you're saying that you're, you're taking his account at face value that, 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 you're you're believing his testimony in the in the um placement of this character is that is that correct is yeah that i think what 
Yeah, no, you are correct. I, you know, what really fascinated us um, was uh, this idea that Casper in the actual history was um, was fascinated by writing his own story. And he kept a diary. Um, some of his autobiography, some of his testimony made it made it out and you can find it in some of the books. So you do get, you know, his account or his memory of what he went through in the cell. Um, but a lot of the materials are uh, were destroyed in some way or another. So we became fascinated with this idea of, okay, well, all of these men, all these white men around him have all of these ideas about who this boy was. Um, and yet we only have these tiny slivers of testimonies from the man himself, from the boy himself. Um, so what we wanted to do was like, what, what if, you know, this experiment, and it is indeed an experiment, uh, the play, what if it was conducted by Casper himself? What about if this is the opportunity that he gathers all the facts, he gathers all the books that are written about his life, and he starts to mine and investigate and put things under the lens that he wants to focus on? And I think that's where we come to the characters that we choose as well. What are the characters that he wants to study, that he wants to question, provoke, confront about what happened in his life? Um, so yeah, in that way, it's a really fresh take on Casper because we're not sort of we're not bound by um, trying to uh, trying to discover some sort of biopic, you know, some sort of like um, biography of his life. Um, we can make it quite current and and fresh and uh, immediate and present in the space by having this live experiment. So yeah, his words, his choices. Um, I, I'm certainly one of his believers. You know, I, I I believe the boy, but he did, like you say, he had lots of detractors. So, you know, we put some of those detractors in the space and we put some of the believers in the space. And that uh, chemistry uh, is, you know, is the foundations of the play. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to ask about the, the title and the experiment. So, in a sense, the part of the drama... Uh, that comes from the play is uh, the, the 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 actor the the Casper character examining himself. Is that correct? So he's making those. So we're almost seeing, in a way, an actor doing his character work on stage, possibly, which is not something we really see very often. Usually, those uh, decisions and realizations are made in a rehearsal room, but. Is, yeah. is that correct? Is that a fair summation? Yes. Yeah. I, in in a way, um, I think the only thing that is is not true is that it's an actor playing Casper. What we really wanted uh, is for the audience to walk into a space and completely suspend their disbelief that Casper is right there in front of them in the flesh. And he's going to discover some truths about his life. Um, but with with any process that we do, um, the personal always comes up. So, you know, uh, Charles, who plays Casper, Henry, who plays uh, his tutor, Maya, and indeed any of the other actors that are involved, you know, um, there's a lot of personal discovery in the making of this play. You know, it's about memory. 
it's about history it's about identity and we found in the devising process that lots of really personal um interesting uh discoveries were coming up for each of the actors as they were playing you know every actor has this moment where they identify with the character you identify either through an absence of connection or a presence of connection to the character um so you know each actor wanted to offer that of themselves when they were studying and investigating these characters. And you're right, that's what you see on stage. You see a very personal account of who this person is. As a director, how have you found uh, directing this play? How has your process been affected by doing this play in comparison to other things that you're, you've worked on or are working on? Well, I certainly don't like to do things the easy way. Um, <laughs> So, you know, every every process that I lead, uh, I co-led our first production, Origins. Um, so I didn't solo direct that one. Uh, so this was really my first, is my first venture into solo directing, um, doing some more projects at the moment. And, it, and it's, it's clear to me that I have to I have to allow the story to have its own voice and its own way of emerging in the space and therefore kind of it, it continuing the experiment really experimenting with different exercises and uh, activities and tasks is really important to me um so I spend I spend a lot of time in a period of study where you know I go through a lot of personal um personal development through making these these pieces and you know i start to articulate for myself what it is this story needs to exist in the space um so you know each piece has its own voice um and each piece has its own demands and i try to i just try to respect that and i think i think the actors understand that in the space as well that you know they're they're in some they're in a process is process that is completely and entirely new um obviously there are techniques the you know lots of directorial techniques that i picked up from being an actor myself and some of my studies you know i trained as an actor uh, back in 2006 in my undergrad in a very what I would call a very traditional form of actor training which is Stanislavski based Uta Haag and Doreen Cannon um, which I loved and that is my bread and butter as a as a performer and how I analyze a piece of text and a role but then you know I wanted to bring in more experimental forms of making and I, I studied uh, at RADA on an MA called the Theatre Lab and that introduced to me lots of different frameworks from European um, practitioners uh, and global uh, practitioners that I'd never encountered before in my original training. So, you know, um, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to put some of those techniques to the test as well. Tell me about your theatre company. What was the impetus for, for that? Well, you know, we left the MA Theatre Lab and we, it uh, means me and Henry McGrath, who's in the, in the piece, as I said earlier, um, we left training. Um, and, it, you know, anybody who's ever gone through drama training, you leave, the doors are open, you, you enter the big bad world of the theatre industry, uh, the creative industries, and you're left twiddling your thumbs, waiting for someone to give you a job. 
Um, so what we did was just meet up in parks, under archways, uh, in uh, in rehearsal spaces, and just train. You know, we that's the mutual. Uh, what would you say? Mutual interest of ours is is to continue uh, pedagogically to work through drama training and find exciting routes in uh, to making. Uh, but we didn't actually decide to make or start a theatre company at first. You know, we just kind of honoured this idea of um, bettering ourselves and bettering each other. And then as anybody does, when you start to love to work with an individual um, and you get those sparks of inspiration from each other, we said, hey, you know, why don't we, uh, why don't we make a theatre company? Um, and then obviously, you know, there was a, a big period of, of trying to determine for ourselves what our mission would be and what we would stand for and what we like and what we don't like about theatre, what we want to see, what we think is missing from the UK theatre industry. And that's, you know, that's where we came to to make uh, Anamiki, you know, that's and that's what we've kind of tried to continue to do ever since you know that started in 2013 and now we're 10 years later um and still trying to uh, you know that trial and error still trying to figure out what we need to do i'm interested by the name what, what, where did that come from yeah the name um anamiki comes from uh well really it's a story it's a story of a mother and a child um and it comes from um, Native American mythology. We both love mythology, Henry and I. We we love stories, and we're inspired by myth um, and the studies of myth. You know, Joseph Campbell uh, and and the like. Um, but the the word itself means new beginnings. Um, but the story the story around it is that you know there's a child, and there's a storm at night. Um, and, you know, obviously in this story, he goes to his mother for protection and she sues him and she tells him this story of this great bird in the sky giving them protection, uh, this thunderbird. Uh, and indeed, the sounds that he hears are the flaps of its wings and the, 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 the lightning that he sees uh, carving through the skies, the blinking of its eyes. Um, and so, you know, we liked... We liked the associations of this idea of the bringer of, of, of light and new beginnings uh, because we've, we felt we were, a, you know, we were on this journey towards something new for ourselves. I'd never run a theatre company before. I'd never been a theatre maker. I'd done some writing before, but um, never really, you know, uh, entertained the idea of being a theatre maker. Um but also, you know, the sort of sound and rhythm and feel and shape of the word really sprang out to us. You know, when I look at animiki, I see animal, I see animation, animated. Um, so, yeah, it, it has this dark and light fear and hope in the story itself, but it also has this framing and shape and structure that we like. Uh, and the, the sound of it as well is unique, you know. You, you mentioned uh, myths. Uh, it, it feels like uncertainty is something which you s seem to really like in your work. Is that fair? Yeah. Uh, wow. Uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, 
I walk into every room that I'm in and I think everybody's the smartest, the, the, a lot smarter than I am, you know, when I, when I start these processes. Uh, and I think, you know, the reason I like stories is because there's a lot I don't know about myself. There's a lot that, you know, I've yet to discover. Um, and I find, I find stories a really helpful tool, a really holistic tool in, in engaging with things that I would otherwise ignore in myself. Um, and I'm a really big believer, you know, that stories follow you around. They find you. So we take so long to make these stories and we take so long to decide what the next story is, which is not necessarily a good thing in the industry nowadays, because, you know, taking time to make things doesn't, um, doesn't put bread on the table for sure. Um, but, um, yeah, I feel like stories come to you. Um, Joseph Campbell talks about myths being in the water. You know, it's it, it's not hard substance like the materials that surround us. It sort of flows in and around you um, like a dream, as it were. Um, so that takes time to sort of listen and open yourself uh, to, to what stories and what themes, what questions keep coming back. And there are themes in each one of our pieces that, you know, I do reflect on and think, oh, I, you know, each piece I make does have a have a, a strand of faith, the question towards faith. You know, each strand has a, str a, a connection to the relationship to mother and father and family. Um, the questions of what have I acquired from the people that came before me? What am I going to pass on into the future? Um, so yeah, there are there are certain things that percolate within the stories that I tell, and so yeah, those are those are uncertainties for sure. Um, and I don't know whether I fully, I don't know whether I fully answer them or half answer them and move on and try and find a new way to answer them. Uh, but yeah, myths aren't something you can um, you can wrestle with and and hold down and you know clamp down. It's it's something like it's like I said, it's in the water. It's interesting that you have that continuing theme of family, given that Casper Hauser has has no known family, yeah. and there's no continuation. He he, I, I won't spoil it, but he there's there's a or maybe I shall, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's there's there's a full stop to his story, yeah. and there's not a yeah, yeah and and the. The, the people he gathers around, it doesn't feel like they are constants either. There's people coming in and out of his life. Yeah, he spent very short periods of time with lots of people in his life. And you're right, he had he ne he didn't have a mother and a father. I mean, he had a mother and a father, but he never he never knew who they were. So he was always surrounded by these foster fathers and foster mothers and guardians. Um, but he was always left with the question of who am I? Where do I come from? Um, I think, you know, one of the questions that we have in this piece, which is re really fascinating, is, you know, what what makes a person? If I don't know who I am and no one around me knows who I am or where I came from, and if I can't remember who I am or, or where I, what I came from, am I as much a person as the people around me? And Casper, in a lot of ways, um, was cared for and... Um, guided uh, creatively throughout his five years but he was also the victim of very um 
questionable practices. And obviously, given his the result of his life, you know, the end of his life, um, stabbed in the chest in 1833. It's not a spoiler to give that away. Um, it's, you know, he's the victim of an incredible um, amount of abuse. And this happened, you know, obviously with the 16 years of his life that was spent in a cell, whether you choose to believe that or not, you know, some people unbelievably do also believe that he made that up and that he's a liar because his accounts changed, his memories changed. Um, he was the victim of abuse. Um, so, you know, he's, he's investigating who who his parents are, but he's interested in, you know, as I am as well, he's interested in the people in front of him. So there are two characters in particular that we're really fascinated with. One is the person he spent, I think, roughly about six to eight months with um in the middle of his time out so you know like 1829 1830 around about that time uh with a woman called clara b back and she's such a maligned figure in the books um just a caveat all these books written by men you know she's seen as this predator she's seen as this um um yeah predator's probably the best way of summing it summing it up and how she um allegedly treated him but obviously we're interested in complexity and who these people are, that this woman was a mother herself and she chose to house Casper Housen, take care of him. So we're interested in digging deeper into who that person really is. And then the last person he spent his time with was a person called Johann Georg Meyer, who, you know, again, according to the books, is a very mean and uh, militant tutor who if you read the books, kind of stripped all of the colour out of Casper's life. And um, I think in one of the books, they describe him as torturing him with education, Latin, mathematics, um, and uh, taking away his artistry. Um, so again, like, who who is that person? You know, how can we dig into that person? That person was a father himself, like, how can we paint a more complex picture of who these two people are, these very maligned figures in Casper's life? Um, so, that, you know, that's, that's, that's fascinating to me as well. And what you get is this relationship then between the son of the father and the son of the mother, um, all trying to figure out their relationships to each other and, um, and who they are in themselves as mothers, fathers, sons, so on and so forth. So you've described yourself moving into the the the, the sphere of theatre making, uh, writing, directing, and so on. What's what's next for you? Do you have a project that's being worked on at the moment? Do you have something that you want to work on? Yeah, I, I'm fascinated with horror at the minute. Um, you know, I've always loved um, M.R. James and W.W. Jacobs and those types of short stories, uh, and I really think horror is i don't know how to quantify this but it feels like the modern myth I, i'm not sure why i just feel fascinated by ghost stories and what goes bump in the night um and those types of tales so yeah i've got an idea it's based on um a myth around uh a vulture it's a, a mayan myth about a um it's an agricultural myth about a farmer and his wife um 
and I, you know, I want to, I want to make something that's small. You know, I've just spent five, just spent five years. That's, uh, you know, this, this is a five hander. This, this piece that we're making, Casper Hauser experiment. So I want to, I want to do something that is just, uh, just a solo piece. You know, just me working with my collaborators off stage, but yeah, just me as uh, as a solo creator on stage and work on something small again probably like you said you know come back to those uncertainties put myself on stage uh, uh put myself through a process um so yeah i, I really want to make a new horror um there's lots of lots of things lots of questions that i that i want to answer and i think there's lots of themes that are really important um especially when it comes around you know uh the climate crisis at the moment i really want to concentrate on um that subject matter but in a fresh and exciting way and i think horror is a great way of doing that sounds fantastic so uh, i'd like to take you back uh yeah. back in time what was the first ever theatrical experience you had being in something seeing something do you know what it was pro- I-, I was such a film I was such a film boy, you know, when, when I grew up because it was a cheaper form of entertainment. Um, and my, you know, I don't come, I don't come from a background that really grew up belonging in the theater or the theater institution. You know, I'm a working class lad from a, a former mining town. Um, so the, the first thing I would say I probably saw, uh, as a theatrical experience was a pantomime and it was probably a pantomime that's put on in the town hall. I have memories of pantomimes in the town hall in Pontefract where I'm from in West Yorkshire. Uh, but I would say, I would bet my bottom dollar, I, that was probably my first experience, yelling at people, he's behind you. Um, yeah, that type of audience interaction. <laughs> nice. I like how when we remember, so many people's first thing of pantomime uh, of theatre is, is pantomime. Yeah, yeah. But very, very, very rarely, right? well, very rarely though, can we remember which pantomime? It's a set. It's it was a pantomime of some description. No idea which one, but they yeah. all kind of kind of rolled into one as the the pantomime. I do remember. I do remember going to see uh, Jack and the Giant Bean. You know, the Giant Beanstalk. I do remember seeing that for sure. Um, but it was you know it's every year we'd go up to the town hall and yeah. and see and see these things put on by the amateur uh, dramatic society of pontefract um but you know i loved i loved getting involved with theater when i when i went through primary school um and i was a i wouldn't say i was a badan but i was a bit of a badan and i had run-ins with a head teacher and i remember him coming up to me and saying uh adam i think uh, i think i'd like you to be in the school play this year and I'm like, I remember us crossing the hall. I was on on my way to class somewhere. I was probably late for class. He was on his way somewhere else, and he kind of stopped me. He said, "You know, I think, I think maybe we should look at this play. You should be in this play." And I and I said, "Oh yeah, what is it?" And he said, uh, "It's called Oliver." And I was, "Oh yeah, what's that about?" So he told me about it, and he said, "There's this part called the Artful Dodger. I think you'd be great." And I said, "Oh okay, yeah, well I'll have a look." So I took it home, and I spent uh, spent weeks trying to perfect my Cockney accent to the amusement of my parents in the back garden. Uh, I have really vivid memories of like holding the script in the back garden, just going over my lines and over my lines. And I've, you know, I've loved theatre ever, ever since. I've loved characters. I've, you know, 
when I ask people why are you so why are you so excited about going to the theatre, time and time again, people always say, you know, it's it's about character. You know, characters fascinate me. Um, that's probably why I've chosen to make this piece about Caspars. Nice. Thanks so much for talking to me today. Uh, so You're welcome. The Casper Hauser experiment is going to be on at the space from the 17th to the 21st of October with a live stream on the 20th of October. That will be on demand for two weeks after it's streamed. Uh, thanks very much and see you very soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs>